0: for commute season 10 episode 1 green in which we touch on issues relating to the environment from how to get a greener classroom to how to make that environmental lesson of yours sparkle let's get started <laughs> Hi, Lindsay. Are you ready to sparkle? I am ready to sparkle. I'm all sparkling for our debut episode of season 10. How are I you? I love the reticent season. Uh, I know it's been 10, ten seasons. I know. Ten. Ten. 10 seasons. 10 seasons. 10 welcome everybody by the way if you're listening this is the tefl commute we're a podcast uh my oh, name is lindsey and my my co-host Hi, i'm sean. who interrupts is sean oh. and w- this is a podcast for language teachers uh our tagline is we are for the podcast is for language teachers it's not about language teaching but the topic often comes up and that's not uh, the
1: tagline it's an approximation of the tagline but you're close enough yes
0: but it is close enough. I always get it wrong. Ten seasons. Um, Ten seasons, and it's a back-to-school season uh, right now for us. Um, Sean, did you have a nice summer? I did. I did a good summer. Work,
1: bit of holiday, whatever. My advice from the summer is don't camp in 50 miles an hour wind, but apart from that, good. What about you? (laughs) Uh,
0: My summer was nice. I was back in Canada visiting family. Has hadn't been there for quite some time, so it was always nice to get back. Um, And, Yes, and I'm going back into teaching, but online teaching. and uh, yeah, no, oh, nothing so- much else to report about the summer there. Oh, right. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, same here. I mean, it's still a couple of weeks for university goes back, but online is uh, ticking itself into gear. So, but of course, the most important thing about it, September is we record the new season. So that's right. Here.
0: And we're and each episode of our um, our seasons here on the Teflon Commute is based on our topic, and this episode is, the topic is green, as in environmental green, not Kermit the Frog green. But we're all about the environment on this episode, um, partly because uh, we've been wanting to do a, a, a an episode on the environment or on green issues for a while. And because a couple of things happened, one outside of ELT and one inside ELT, that kind of sparked this for us at the beginning of the summer. Uh, the first thing was something that happened outside of ELT. In June, um, The Guardian and several other... Um, newspapers uh media outlets that is decided to retire a couple of terms from um and change the terms they use to talk about um what's going on on the planet uh they said that the terms that they weren't going to use anymore were too neutral worn out and too nice sounding to describe the crisis facing the planet sean what terms do you think they meant well one has to be global warming that's correct. That's one that they decide is too nice sounding. Not, not a surprise. I, I mean, like, uh, I think it was, it,
1: wasn't it during the summer or just before the summer when a certain president uh, misunderstood global warming to mean hot exactly. weather? I mean,
0: yes. Okay. Yes. And the other one?
1: Hmm. Uh, uh, it's too, too neutral. So probably climate
0: change. That's right. Climate change and global warming were considered too neutral, worn out, and too nice sounding to describe the crisis. Uh, this was The Guardian publicly announcing it would drop climate change for the terms climate emergency, climate crisis, or climate breakdown. And other publications did the same. Spanish uh, news agency EFE said it would use the word crisis climática. Um, Noticias Telemundo, the Spanish language news provider in the United States, announced it would start using climate emergency. And all of a sudden these terms started like popping up all over the place so that as a language teacher that was kind of an interesting language thing happening Oh, yeah um, there's quite a lot of language
1: evolving from that is it maybe we'll touch upon it another time i mean i i saw the phrase climate refugee for the first time over the-
0: yeah uh, the guardian also said it would start using wildlife instead of biodiversity so not making it such a neutral term right. and climate science denier instead of climate skeptic which i think is also a, a kind of an about time thing yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you. I think when we look back on uh, this year, you know, when you review a year in terms of language or whatever, what's happened? I think the, the terminology around language has been is probably one of the main things that's come out of the year, isn't it? I say that as a Brit, where obviously the word of the year will be pirogue, But um, yes, <laughs> I mean, uh, on the other hand, you've got you've got like the group like Ev- evolution revolution, you know, which has become yeah. part of our uh, everyday kind of talk now. So it's uh, it's a, a you know, podcast about language teaching. I mean, this is an area of language which is evolving as as language does. So, from exactly from a language point of view, it's interesting. It's a shame that we're having a climate crisis and that's what's happening as, as a result. But from a language point of view, it's interesting. Anyway, where, where should we go? Should we continue with the language, or should we? Oh, uh,
0: well, there was another thing that happened because it was more inside our wheelhouse, our the ELT wheelhouse. It is our profession. Um, uh, uh, I think in May or June or slightly before May, a new group kind of spring up on social media and started getting quite a lot of attention um uh that was all about the um the climate crisis they were uh, all kind of declaring a climate emergency in elt um and uh I, I don't know. Is it a group, a community, a movement, an initiative? What, what do you I think?
1: think? Um, well, I think it's probably best left to them uh, to describe. What do you think?
0: I think you're right. And exactly that because our first episode of season 10, we're doing an interview episode and we've invited two people to, from this group, which is called ELT footprint or from this whatever we're going to call it, uh, ELT Footprint, uh, to come and talk to us about this. We're going to be joined very shortly uh, by um, two admins of the Facebook group uh, ELT Footprint. They, One of them is familiar to listeners of this podcast. It's our very own Kerry Jones, who is coming on as a guest and not a host in this episode. And the other one is another colleague and dear friend of ours, Kath Billsborough. So let's get to our interview with ELT Footprint. Okay, so for, you know, the main part of this podcast, we're joined by two guests. And um, to introduce them, I thought I would read a quote that I picked up on their website. Um, I'm going to read you the last part of the quote, and then I'm going to ask, I'm going to introduce our guests and ask them uh, to tell us about the group and, and, and what this quote means. So here it is. Here comes a quote. Ready, Sean? Yeah, got him. All right, it's not everyone's job to save every part of the world, but it is everyone's responsibility to thank every person who is doing their part to save the world. Don't critique, just appreciate. Don't judge, just educate. We're all trying our best. Thank you. So that quote I found on the page of the ELT footprint group, which is a group that recently started and is, hmm, Making quite a footprint. I don't know. Is that that? <laughs> yeah, there it is. Um, That's ter- terrible. He could have yeah, do better I than know. That. <laughs> But I'm very happy to say we have two people who are the who who were there at the from uh, with the group from the beginning uh, with us on in our virtual studio. Um, uh, Kerry Jones, who everyone knows from the TEFL commute, a regular host. Hi, Kerry.
2: Hi, how are you doing? Hi.
0: Does it feel different to be a guest rather than a host, Kerry?
2: It does. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be a good guest. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: Kath Billsborough, who is another person from the beginning of the, of the ELT Footprint Group and longtime uh, colleague and friend of ours, uh, ELT writer, coursework writer, teacher trainer, teacher, another Welsh person, two Welsh people. Hi, Kath.
3: Hello. Hi, everybody. It's really nice to be on the <laughs> TEFL <laughs> podcast. New experience for me, and I'm quite excited about it. I don't, I don't
0: get out much. <laughs> Excellent. It, because it is a new experience, we'll forgive that it's it's the Tuffle Commute podcast. But we'll yeah, forgive it's that. It's a slow- a, a long-time long listener <laughs> there, obviously,
2: yeah.
0: Sorry. <laughs> anyway... Cath and Kerry, we invited you here for our episode, which we gave the title green to this episode because of the ELT footprint. Now, you're both admins of the Facebook page, but can you tell us about uh, ELT footprint in general and how it connected to that quote that I found and uh, how new is this? Uh, Just a general introduction. What is ELT footprint?
2: Okay, can I I kick off? Because I've just got the quote in front of me, in fact, and I just want to give it a little bit more... Context. So the quote was shared by someone called Carla Borthwick and inspired by a book called Earth is Hiring by Peter Kelly. And um, that was a quote that uh, Dan Barber shared when he did a plenary at the Innovate Conference back in May. Um, And during that plenary, he declared a climate emergency for ELT. And that was definitely... A catalyst to bringing the group together but it wasn't it isn't just one thing there's to this it was just that there were lots of conversations going on all at the same time and this was being shared by so many people and it kind of struck a chord with so many people that it just it just seemed the obvious thing to do was to try and create a space somewhere where we could bring these conversations together because there seemed to be so many conversations going on especially on Facebook but on Twitter too and and so the logical thing seemed to be to create a Facebook group in the end after I don't know do you remember Kath it took us about a week didn't it to decide the shape and the how and the where and, uh, and then that's what emerged eventually. Yeah and I think it's
3: still kind of um, being shaped and we're still kind of Finding our way around and 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 um, growing and diverging and uh, moving into other places like you know well the blog etc etc so it's kind of a big experiment really but while it's happening you know it's just growing and growing and it's amazing really.
1: It seemed to be very quick. It's kind of, if I remember, I remember at the beginning, because being a Facebook person, you went from, like, Daniel's, I think the conference, people were talking about the conference, and then all of a sudden the group was there, and then it, it just seemed to take off really quick. Did you find that from your point of view? It was just like, whoosh, and there was, I think there are 1,600 people in the group now, uh, and, it you know, that's only a few months down the road. That's quite big for a Facebook group, isn't it? It
2: is. It is big. I mean, it was quite surprising, wasn't it, Kath?
3: Yeah, and it, it's nearly 17, it's, um, it's gone up by another 100 almost. So by the end of this podcast, who <laughs> knows, it might be, we might have reached, reached another. But I think that's, I, on the one hand, it's very exciting when that happens, and it's wonderful, and, and we get excited when, and we go on the chat and we say, have you seen the numbers? But on the other hand, when you think about it, uh, you know, we shouldn't be surprised because there didn't seem to be anywhere else where we could all get together to talk about these things. So, um, it's yeah. So it's, it's a so sentence. would we
0: describe? I mean, w- the LT footprint is. I was kind of trying to think of like what would I call it. It was. Is do you think it's a, a nascent movement or is it like a, a, an initiative? A hashtag? Is it a group or is it v- much looser? Is it just sort of an awareness place? Um, what do you what would you say?
3: I've used the yeah i've used the term um maybe it's all of those okay. things and maybe it's what whatever it needs to be to each person it's very um fluid but i i refer to it as a community yeah, me too um which is quite a nice yeah. a nice C, C word.
2: <laughs> Yeah, i think it's like a, a we started off calling it a space as well didn't we or a hub you know somewhere where yeah you can just come together and and collect things in one place but also that what happened was because we all know what Facebook's like you don't it's not actually very easy to collect things there's a lot of buzz going on and you see the conversations that are ongoing so it kind of grew into needing something on the side as it were and yes uh, so that's how the blog came about which is more of a repository really than a blog it's going kind of where we try to make a little bit of sense and shape of all of these Conversations. There's so much because people want to discuss so many different things, so many divergent topics. So, so it, there is an overspill into the blog, which is kind of a quieter space where everything's more static.
0: I like community and space. I was kind of thinking uh, the the funny kind of things, like you know, the is it a, is it like when you said a resp- repository, we can put a whole bunch of things. I was like a bin, like a recycling bin, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. and That's you really can rummage day. around in there, like the blog. You rummage around and find something useful in there. But um, well, let, let's before we talk more about what what is actually being created there, because this this is about like kind of creating things. I saw lots. I've seen there's lots of stuff. This. Let's let's go back to kind of general things about like the the uh, the climate emergency and of course can I, yeah. Can I just pick in them on that? E L T. Yeah, go for it. It,
1: it, it. it was what Kerry said at the beginning. It was described as there's a climate. Uh, Daniel, when you were talking about Daniel, he said climate emergency in E L T. Yeah, I think was the word you, the phrase you used. What do you mean by that? Because I'm I'm not sure. Is that, is that the E L T is 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 causing a climate emergency I mean, I mean to somebody that hasn't seen the group or understand that what, okay so i
2: what, i can't definitely can't put words in dan's mouth or speak for obviously Dan yeah, or, yeah, yeah um and i haven't actually uh sat down with him and found out what the story was of that declaration i have to admit but um i think the thing is that it's it's rather than that the emergency is in lt it's that that's our sphere of action that's our sphere of influence Um, and there's quite a neat little video that I'm going to share the link with you uh, that uh, was shared on the group and it's by um, a climate change academic called Will Grant and he kind of breaks down action um, in you know sort of in the sphere of climate change into four levels and one is individual so it's just what you do on an individual basis within your Life, and then the second was kind of you and the sphere of your friends and family, so kind of on a personal level, and the people that you might influence on that level. And then the third stage is kind of like a again, that word community, but you think about um, who do you interact with professionally, who do you have conversations with, who knows your name, and how can you use that also to influence and raise awareness and engage people in action and i think it's more to do with that it's what can we do as an elt community which is a huge community and you know so if i was looking just um just now on the blog and we actually have visitors from 76 different countries okay they haven't all visited loads but you know there are some countries that are more active than others but there's a this massive global reach so actually there's a lot that we can do at what he calls the third stage of action um, which which is working together within a professional community we can help each other with initiatives we can suggest initiatives we can inspire through example and a lot of this is is basically happening through the group and I think it's reaching a lot more people than simply the you know simply the 1700 but (laughs) but we're much much bigger than 1700 aren't we you know so there's this idea that it isn't that the the um, emergency is in the LT. It's just that we can act within our ELT sphere.
0: So it's like the this is like um this is we as a community are responding to the global emergency exactly. rather than saying yeah okay okay I got that it makes I got sense.
2: it. Then fourth stage would be a stage where a lot of us are trying to do something anyway, but not through the LT community. So which would be. Protests, uh, petitions, uh, writing to members of parliament, um, putting pressure on the political—you know—sort of the, the macro stage, where which is where we probably feel more helpless anyway. So that there's this idea that by engaging with the community, you can um, what would be the word amplify your actions. Yeah? So there's that thing about what we do as a person, then what we do with our immediate community, and then this reaching out towards a profession, which then makes it a much, much wider sphere of influence.
1: Okay, so then, I mean, I mean, how good or bad is ELT with regards to climate change awareness and action? Is, is it something, I mean, I think everybody's aware of it this year. It's one of those topics, but how would you rate ELT in terms of climate change awareness and action? Good, bad and different?
3: Shall I jump in there? And um, this is a good, it's a good question, really. And it's, it's, it's funny, because when we were, preparing for this podcast and thinking about it, Kerry went away and made some notes and I went away and made some notes and we both independently wrote something like how long is a piece of string? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this idea. So um, in terms of our profession or our industry, whatever, you know, however you want to call it, I think that um, it's the same as every other industry and in that in some, in some places, you know, we, we're not you know, we're not too bad. And then in other places, we're just terrible. So if we look at, I mean, when I look at myself as an example, and, and uh, Lindsay, you're, you're the same here, and Kerry too, very often um, in our jobs as as being an author, they might invite us to travel to the other side of the world to speak for one hour at a conference, um, you know, on, on something. And I mean, this is terrible because i mean you know our carbon footprint is is you know that's just ridiculous so but on the other hand there are people who just don't you know they work as um, an english teacher in their school and they might not travel anywhere as part of their job and they might be really um careful about you know the, the photocopies that they make etc so it's we're all over the place um and i think one of the key things One of the key things for me and and what I've learned um, is that, you know, we're not here to shame each other. We're here to support each other and to think very carefully about about how we can do things better as an industry. So this whole thing about, you know, if you're going to travel to the other side of the world, I'm not saying don't ever do it, but if you do do it, try to make better use of your time when you get there and not just spend one hour given a talk etc so i think that it very much depends on the context and the you know the the part of the world that you're in and you know as we know it's not one size fits all and there are huge differences in in people's situations depending on i mean james is in brazil and it's very different in brazil to to where i am in spain so you know and then breaking it down into different areas are you a primary school teacher or are you a university lecturer and there are differences there as well so we're all over the place is the is the easy quick answer to that one i think is there
0: a worry though when you say when you say that you're we're not about shaming doesn't it always end up like any kind of any kind of m- movement for raising awareness about change, um, unfortunately, online often does come along. <laughs> there is often the, the shaming that then, or not, not necessarily by you, but or by other people, sort of the instinct to, and perhaps it was that with our question as well, the instinct to find who's responsible and let's let shame them to, to not doing that. Yeah, that's so right. how, how, I was going how, to say that it's one how, of those
2: things, it's, you know, it's not a league table. And, okay, yeah, yeah you're not maybe involved in fracking which might be considered one of the big enemies but you know yeah. um that, that that doesn't mean that you can just sit back and yes, not worry exactly. you know it's that,
0: yeah.
2: so so we're not into league tables of who's the worst enemy we're not in, So you're not, not into, there's no kind of Yeah you know the quote that you quoted at the beginning it's that thing uh, yeah. about thanking anybody who's taking any action rather right. than um because you can't do everything. That's the whole point. If you read yeah. the whole quote, it's all about this. Well, you know, sort
0: of... Yes, no, it's a great quote, yeah. Which I direct everyone to read at the ELT footprint okay. site on the Are About page. You don't then envisage the kind of thing... Uh, the last time we've had... I don't know, there have been other ones since. But another one that was recently in ELT, and I don't want to get into this, but was sort of representation at, uh, at conferences on panels and stuff like that. And so there have been various initiatives to give awards to conferences that meet sort of an equality or uh, gender equality in the plenary speakers or inequality of speakers and stuff like that. So but you don't envisage or there hasn't been kind of envisaging of of doing that for for ELT conferences or or or, or schools or things like that. Are there or is or the, is there something I okay, missed? there
2: have been suggestions and discussions, but we've shied away from it. And we've gone back to that quote. And we've said, we're not yeah. about giving awards. We're not yeah. about, okay. Um, it, it, that's not the ethos. And I think, Kaf, would you agree with this? That one of the thing, one of our jobs as moderators that can sometimes be a little bit difficult, a little bit awkward, is when we do see that a conversation is verging towards that. And so we feel like we need to step in and make sure that no one feels that they're being, um, that they feel embarrassed about Something that they've said or done i don 't know uh, would you say Kath, that was one of the challenges
3: yeah, I think that's one of the more difficult um, aspects of being an uh, an administrator um, because well I mean how this usually goes you can you can probably imagine, but how this usually goes is that one of us sees a comment on uh, you know, on Facebook, a post or a comment in response to somebody else's post, and we think it's a, a little bit um, dodgy mm-hmm. for some reason. And then we we send a private uh, chat message saying something like, Oh my <laughs> god, have you seen what X has just written? or <laughs> you know, WTF, <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. but um, and then we 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 usually what i'm trying to say is we discuss it before we just jump in there and, Absolutely. Uh, and moderate. You know, yeah and we decide together,
1: yeah
3: yeah you know do we do we need to intervene and, uh, or maybe uh, in the most recent one and i'm not going to mention any names so don't ask well yeah nope. but when somebody you know re- yeah somebody recently said something and then so i said to Kerry, you know do you know this person personally because if you know the person personally you might be able to send a friendly email and or message rather, and just say, "Oh, look, you know, can you? You might want to remove that yourself." Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Uh, and if not, you know, we might have to step in and just um say, you know, c- cool it down. You know, let's uh, remember that. You know, um, and we 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 haven't had to do this a lot, but but we are aware that um. In fact, one of the things about this this group is that it's made me be a lot more careful about my own, um, you know, the way I act and the things I say, because I used to be one of the first people to jump in and say, oh, you know, what the
2: foolish person you <laughs> yes. are? Maybe don't, maybe, don't I, maybe don't I? know it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe in maybe using other words. I mean, actually, you know, though the I've I, I just realized that, that uh, in our questions to you so far, I mean, it it does just go to show, like, you know, any kind of big topics like this, big areas where people. You know, th- there can be a certain amount of guilt on everyone's part about what's going on. And, and, and then also, you know, how this ends up playing out online. I, I, noticed that, you know, even our questions first was like, okay, so how, how, how is ELT doing in general? I mean, how, how, you know, are we okay? Are we not so bad? It's not so bad for us. Is it or is it? And so on. <laughs> um, maybe a better question and getting more to what ELT footprint is about would be to ask you to share some of the kinds of things that have that have come up? What kind of projects have been suggested? Because I think that's where it becomes really quite interesting. I mean, because you could see this going in two ways, right? You could see the uh, ELT footprint saying, we're going to give awards to teachers who are the greenest and to conferences and schools that are green. And then, you know, the flip side is if you don't, you'll get on our blacklist of like very ungreen <laughs> schools or whatever, right? Which nobody <laughs> wants. And and that would just leave. But you can oh, totally, no. see, totally see that happening. Whereas I think what you've done is kind of uh, avoided that by I'm making suggestions for projects. Do you want to share with us some of those?
3: Well, what's interesting about this is that um, nothing, or maybe very little, almost nothing of what we've done has actually been planned beforehand. It's kind of emerged uh, naturally, sort of organically from the group itself. So when we set up the uh, website blog, um, it became apparent that a lot of people were interested in finding materials to use with their with their students, so we decided it would be a good idea to um, share, you know, have a place like a library, repository, whatever, where we could share these materials, and then we might put a call out, and and, and I think Kerry looked earlier at some statistics, which she'll share with you later, and saw that one of the most um, popular parts of the sections on the blog is actually the materials um, side, because. I think a lot of teachers who have joined our group they've they sort of the teachers are always looking for interest in materials and you know as you know sometimes to to leave the course book and to to find something a bit more interesting so one thing I like for example, is that as we've been going through um time wise on the blog, so you know a date is so is approaching and we realize ah, oh, it's going to be, you know, World Oceans Day in a week. Uh, so we look around and somebody actually shares a nice lesson plan with materials that you can do with your, you know, related to that particular day. And this is something that I see as being extremely useful for for, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of teachers where... We can say, you know, don't forget to check out this. And um, so that's one thing I like about the the, the materials. Um, can can and, I just can things, I jump in
0: on there, Kath? And, can I just, I had a question that yes, I wanted to relate to that. Sure. Because um, we're, as, from one materials writer to another, <coughs> um, I have, <laughs> and to another too, to Carrie as well, I've always found it, and I, I think it's great, and it makes sense that teachers would go to the materials hub right the materials recycling bin on the (laughs) whatever right like like this is this is this is what they want and so on um any tips or any things that you've seen that uh, so often the quote unquote and i found this for the past not just recently the past 10 or 15 years the quote unquote green lesson in a course book to write it i found very hard um because it's, it's, it's that kind of fine line between being too earnest and sort of telling people things they already know or very boring or not enough new information. I don't know. Maybe that's just me as a writer, but I've often found these environmental lessons to sort of be in the danger of eye roll inducing just, just from being in classes where, you know, I've seen that come up and the student, I see the students like, oh, okay. Climate change is happening. Oh, all right, and and you know, and sort of like, mm, what uh, have you come across any things, or have any other tips for me or for teachers to make those lessons more interesting? <laughs> or do you agree? Or Is, it, is, that, is so that basically li- basically Lindsay's looking for writing tips? I think <laughs> no, but I'm looking for teaching <laughs> tips as well <laughs> because that, that's sort of you you know, what even in primary classes like the environment or Earth Day or, or no, the other I, ones. Yeah. That, there's a tendency for them to generate, like, oh, God, it's like the, quote-unquote, obligatory green lesson.
1: Yeah, um, but is, is that partially because it's not a parsnip topic, but it must be a semi-parsnip topic in the sense that you don't want to offend people with it as well? Is that part of it?
3: Well, ca- ca- i I just say... I mean, i let Kerry speak about this, but I'll just say one thing. that um, I think that now is the moment, and I think that actually... Young people, especially okay, because I mean, I put a lot of my hope for the future in young people, teenagers and primary children as well um they they are talking about these topics now they they I mean you can't avoid it really, can you everybody knows who Greta Thunberg was everybody there are these um you know the rebellion people who are going on strike et etc and and I think the fact that, that um our students, or, or the students out there, are already talking about things, learning things, got things to say, forming opinions, they have information. That's changed everything a little bit. So I would say that, with, as with everything else, you know, lessons, that, you know, they don't have to be boring. And I think the key, as with any topic, is is just to find an interesting angle that, that's motivating. Um, I do understand what you're saying, but I think
2: things have changed. I really do.
0: I think you could be right. I agree agree that
2: we. um, Okay, so lessons I've taught recently that have had um, an eco twist to them, should I say, have always grown out of local context and uh, what the students are already doing and already know. So not. Wanting to preach or teach because I don't think that's appropriate. It's much more to do with how does this fit into your world or whatever. So, for example, this is like um, I was doing a pronunciation course with some university lecturers, and uh, it, ha- it was around the first global climate emergency strike, and we looked at um, slogans because there were some there were some great creative slogans in the march. In London, and then we looked at the what the, the Spanish equivalents, and we worked on city uh, superficial things like consonant clusters and um, chanting. But if that that to them was really really relevant, they loved that lesson because it was something that they thought was incredibly uh, current, and it was because it was happening now in the news and in the town. Um, and I think the thing is that with so there was another Lindsay, you might have remember you might remember this was it in May or June there was a plastic free week in that's right remember, yeah
0: yes i remember yes yes in
2: the El País newspaper a columnist and she ran a story on it every day it incredibly entertaining great style. Yeah. a lot of people were reading it it was kind of it was out there on social media as well and it gave a great context for just exploring so it wasn't telling anybody anything it was more about exploring and so one lesson that i did and then i i also Shared it online was to go into the supermarket and simply take photos of ridiculous plastic wrappings in the supermarket, and then compare that with the you know non ridiculous plastic wrappings in the local market. And that's all it was was just this very um, visual kickoff of a project. But then the kids could do exactly the same. All they needed to do was to take their phone into the local supermarket, and then we started talking about which products were hyper uh, hyperwrapped, which ones didn't need to be, what would the alternatives be, and it wasn't, it was very much grounded in their town, their reality, what was going on. Um, and so I think that kind of approach is one thing. Another thing that I think that I've noticed has changed in me in the last however many months, it's only since May, isn't it? So, um, so, I was working on a writing project at the time, and it was rather than there being, as you say, the green lesson, as yeah. the lesson on technology, which for goodness, yes. you know, yeah. you know yeah. no yes, yes. On
3: the lesson of the
2: 21st century, come on, you know, we're almost in the third decade, and um, yeah, it's it's it sprinkles around. And there was one little exchange I had with an editor, um, where there were speaking points at the end of the lesson and it was well have you learned anything new recently and in the box there are suggestions of different things and one of the suggestions i just put into the box so you know along with a new sport was um ways to use less plastic and it was just one of the many topics which actually was something that had come up in a class it was something that had people had been interested in talking about but my editor didn't want it there Oh, no, I don't want to talk about that.
0: No. Was the
2: response. Oh, no like, yeah. dear. I'm sorry, but I think. Uh, you're wrong. I don't know. Well, but
0: I think maybe you do have a point then that just in the way that uh, we've ceased to do the technology mm-hmm. lesson, you know, and it kind of like it goes throughout lessons. So lots of our lessons will have bits of technology or just becomes part of the thing. Maybe that's one of the things to take from this is that we don't have the climate lesson the melting ice caps lesson that it just becomes part of it with along with questions about other things so questions using present perfect or questions using what are you going to do and stuff like that it just kind of becomes like blended into it anyway i want to keep the um the interview going i'm going to pass over to sean because we could talk i mean this is fascinating i'd like to talk about this a lot more
1: we seg we segued a little bit that was obviously they were talking about the projects uh, the E.L.T. footprint had been suggesting. I think one of those, uh, in a sense, is, is the charter that that, okay, uh, yeah. that mm-hmm. you've come up with. Yeah, the the, the what is it the charter for a greener hmm. classroom, which uh, which is uh, downloadable on your um, your website uh, for it. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about okay, that? I, think... I mean, number one is <laughs> one is think. No, the first point: think before you copy. Now, that must be our our greatest cardinal sin as E.L.T. teachers, surely, is
2: the photo. Okay, so this is an interesting um, little project. I think it was our first um, successful kind of collaborative project, and it happened really early on. Right, and it basically was driven by two trainers, although the other people got involved as well. But it was uh, Danny Jones here in Cadiz and Nicola Meldrum in Barcelona. And they both um, train on uh, CELTA, Trinity uh, Trinity Certificate and Trinity um, Diploma. And they were talking uh, actually about um, their trainees rather than the teachers in the school, as it were. And the first thing that came up was this thing about copying so that a new teacher a trainee that's one of the they they just kind of sometimes flood their lessons with you know paper and totally unnecessary paper and this is one of the things that we need to train them into anyway so that was kind of part of the chart but there was also this idea of okay well we're forming teachers here why not as it going back to the technology thing you know normalizing technology throughout the course we're also normalizing um A a kind of a consciousness towards um, your waste footprint particularly but not only that so in the Charter there's things like you know do you really have to copy that but it's also what temperature is the air con at Um, have you switched the lights on um, off after the lesson you know sort of all really really practical things but also things like being an example so um, did you bring a takeaway coffee in to class in a styrofoam cup yeah, maybe you could if you brought your own uh, reusable cup or is your water in a plastic bottle or or do you have your own water bottle that you bring? Especially when we're talking about teachers who are going to be working with younger learners, you are an example. Yeah. They're little things that people pick up on. So, I mean, I know kind of I've been banging on about extensive reading for years and years and years. And that where you say, like, if you as a teacher take a book in, it's the same thing as if a parent is seen to be a reader children are more likely to read. If the teacher shares a love of and an interest in books well it's a first step towards the students maybe sharing their interest in books. So if you show that you're being mindful of um, let's say waste in particular then it's something that the kids can pick up on as well. You're an example of someone who's doing it and not making a big fuss about it but it's just there. So all of these are kind of bundled into this Charter. But the charter was written specifically for the school here in Cadiz. So it okay. exists as a Word document that anybody can adapt. And it also exists as a poster PDF, but there are two a very there are two versions. There's the 10 points written very simply, 10 bullet points that you can put up at on the wall as opposed to you can use it as a talking point, whatever. But also then there's a there's a more discursive one. So for each of the ten points, there's a little paragraph, things to think about, some suggestions. So Danny, for example, on the on the diploma course this summer, she actually used it as um, oh no sorry in the cert course she used it as a an example of a reading race. So kind of an, a loop input of training the new teachers um, about the skills of reading, but at the same time. They were reading through the um, more texty version of the poster, so it was kind of—it's been quite interesting to see the reaction.
1: Yeah, I can imagine I I actually reading it through it and just saying that it was kind of uh the, the the project was between teacher trainers it is interesting when you look at that it, it, i remember um when the argument needs to be about when again about technology why, why don't teachers use more technology often it was um you know well it's not yeah. in initial training yes, exactly. you know the, the yeah. trainers don't do it and it kind of reminds me of that i mean in certain ways these the four-week courses are set up for photocopy you know because yeah. of the way they have ad hoc teaching classes and that's so actually when i look at it when i when i looked at it for the first time it was kind of like these should these is a charter for a greener um uh, teacher training course as well not just a greener class Well, and so, yeah so in that fact that that's, it that was level, when but... first
2: started was with mm, a discussion on teacher, and, and Nicola uh, Nicola Meldrum from Barcelona she's written yeah. a blog post for the blog about using it with trainees and so and and then i've seen kind of Danny was using it with our trainees here and the first week of the course um they taught a week of eco lessons, and the students loved it, they were really engaged it was on all kinds of different themes we and and, uh, and it carried they weren 't bored with it and it was really, really interesting to see how they 'd so taken it on board that when when their initial needs analysis they 'd found out that the students wanted to talk about environmental issues amongst other things then they 'd just gone with that as their Um, all of them did their first lesson on some kind of environmental issue. So that was, it was interesting it just doesn't take much
1: Um, i like it i think the i think it's uh, i think it's actually set there as a piece of material that all teachers can adapt and use as lessons uh, and look at and look at what's already been done for i think it's a a really interesting piece of material uh uh, with it we seem to be chatting for ages am i right lindsay
0: i think so and i think our time is almost up so i mean over to you cath do you have any final words or anything before we 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 wrap up
3: I mean, on a personal level, I just thought, um, you know, I would, well, I would like to invite anybody, anybody listening, to please come along, find the Facebook group page for E.L.T. Footprints, have a look at the blog, join in, ask questions, you know, get involved. Um, on a personal basis, I think Kerry and I would probably both agree. She can tell you now, but I mean, I've changed. <coughs> I've learned so much since we've been. I've been involved in this. I've become more knowledgeable, I've become more aware, I've become less judgmental, which is probably a good thing. I've started saying no more often to certain um, when offers of trips and talks or asking for alternatives. Um, I've probably become more <laughs> boring for certain people by banging on about it all the time. Um and Ker- Kerry and I uh, are are talking about um, traveling to uh, Ayer overland this year together Ooh. and getting the train and uh, yeah right. yeah so um you know it's, it's been walking, a bit of a life in the, uh, Well, the, I mean walking the I,
1: walk. I, 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 I admire that, but uh, bear in mind that at some point that means you'd have to get you'd have to deal with the British rail network. <laughs> oh dear! <We> I know.
0: <laughs> I I think that is. That is probably a terrible place to end <laughs> it, but end it, we will have to. Um, Carrie, Carrie Jones and Kath Billsborough are both admins on the ELT Footprint Facebook group. Uh, you can find out about ELT Footprint at the website, which is ELTFootprint.home.blog. Um, that's where you can also, or you can just search for it directly on ELT, uh, ELT Footprint on Facebook. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you both.
2: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
1: Crikey. time right. time really flew there didn't it. I just kind of I looked at the clock and I think we've been recording for so long. There's yeah. so much so much we could talk about with them. I uh, mean so many yeah. so many questions.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. But, um, yeah, well, I'm really happy that they were doing it. It was good to chat to them. It was good to find out. I think, as the news says, this is an evolving story. So, um, a couple of finally things to mention is, uh, they also wanted to mention that it's not just Facebook. They also have a, a hashtag, a Twitter hashtag for those who don't Facebook. It's, um, hashtag ELT footprint and, uh, to say the name of their blog again, which is ELT footprint dot home dot blog and there you can find out the information about them.
2: Oh well,
1: we'll put all the links on our own uh, webpage as well, so people can if they forget yeah them, they go and go and link yeah
0: them. to the materials that they talked about to the charter page, practical lesson plans, and other things that kind of had helped influence them on 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 how they how they got to where they're where they are right now. And then I guess it's an open invitation to anyone to go along and become a part of it.
1: Uh yeah, I think I mean it is. I mean they they I think the way we we said at the beginning. Beginning of the episode, what do we call it? Uh, uh, a community seems it's a very apt word. The fact that it's, you know, you, you could contribute to it, you can. Could- you can use the material, take part in the discussion. So, as you said, an evolving, evolving uh, story, and I'm sure it's one we'll come back to. I think just listening to that, um, just listening to that interview, there's so many things that kind of spark in my mind. As self-standing episodes, we could go on and talk about. So, I think we'll probably come back to it. But for now, I would say it's probably uh, enough uh, to get people going for the first episode of the new season.
0: I think it is. And we have a whole season in front of us to do more episodes. So if you have any suggestions for us, any comments you'd like to make, you can find us on our webpage, which is, am I going to say it right? (laughs) www.tufflecommute.com. Although you don't, you don't need the www. You can also find us in all the places on Facebook, uh, YouTube, Twitter. Spotify. Think. Spotify, all the places that you yeah. get good podcasts. We're there with everyone else. Uh, I think that'll bring us to an end of our first episode then. We will. Back into it's the new season. Lovely to get back into the swing of things. Lovely to speak to you. That's it from me then.
1: Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye for now. See you next episode. Bye. <laughs>